This is a main hustle media podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Jackie O and you're listening to Militantly Mixed. Yo, this is Rashani from the single simulcast. And when I'm not making you laugh or making up parody songs, I'm kicking back. Listening to Militantly Mixed. I would like to acknowledge that the Militantly Mixed podcast is recorded on the traditional lands of the Karankawa people, and I wish to pay my respects to the people of that nation, both past and present. Hey y'all, welcome to Militantly Mixed, the podcast about race and identity from the mixed race perspective. I am your host, Charmaine, aka Mixed Girl Maine, the Busiest mixed race bisexual polyamorous atheist comic book nerd cat mom mask making Gulf Coast Cosmos comic book co owning Asian American Podcasters Association's Golden Crane Award winning podcaster in this podcasting game. Uh, this is my first episode back with a guest since going on my extended hiatus, and I have a few disclaimers about this episode. There's going to be some audio quality stuff. It probably won't be too bad, but it, 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 it kind of bothers me a little bit, but I guess I do often bring up audio quality problems that bother me that it doesn't seem to bother listeners, but that's because I'm listening back through my editing headphones and all that kind of stuff. As of right now, I am recording... In my comic book pop-up space, which is entirely encased in glass on a street corner, that's super busy, so I can hear the traffic. And it's Texas, it's Houston, it's hot as hell, AC is blasting right now, and I can hear the AC. But I don't have anywhere else to record right now, and I don't have any other time to record, so I'm squeezing it in. (laughs) In a super loud place, and I hope that's not too loud when you're hearing it back. Um, But I can already tell just by looking at my levels that you can definitely hear the cars and the AC. Bear with me. I'm still getting settled in. A disclaimer about the audio on the recording today from my guest. Or whenever they spoke on their side of the recording, I could hear a bachata playing. They could not hear the bachata. I think what was happening is somewhere in an apartment nearby, someone was playing bachata. And the microphone was picking it up because microphones are super sensitive. And but their headphones weren't. Um, but my headphones were because I think it was feeding from them. And so I note that I can hear it every so often, and I even mention it in the recording a little bit, uh, depending on where I decide to edit this thing. Um, but it's not so distracting when you're listening to it back. It's just kind of I could hear it, and so I mentioned it at some point. Um, but I may cut that out. We, I haven't decided. Anyways, um, I also am living in a place where while I do have fewer neighbors, I'm in a much older house that doesn't have, you know, thick insulation or anything like that. So you can hear a lot of ambient noise. And the fact that I live in an older place, I also have only window units for AC. And again, Texas, Houston, hot as hell. AC is running 24-7. And... Um, While I did turn off the unit in the room I was recording in, I could pick up the sound of the AC units that were going off in other parts of the house. And there's not really anything I can do about that right now until I can find a way to give me a little soundproof space. Um, 
there was a space in this house and the reason why I was renting it um, was because of this space and I was going to add a little bit of extra soundproofing and work out of that space as a studio. But unfortunately, that is the only part of the house that doesn't have AC and it is too hot to be in. <laughs> so we have this whole room in our house that we can't even occupy because it's so hot um, that I don't know if maybe in winter time I can move into there, but I won't be able to move into, into there anytime soon. So uh, the whole reason why I picked this house sort of backfired, <laughs> backfired, but that's what happens when you're trying to rent a place from long distance, you know, did the best we can. So hopefully it won't be too bad. I am going to find ways of soundproofing a little bit better, but um, this was the first recording back, and I just didn't know that it was going to pick up as many sounds as it did. So I hope it's not too distracting. I think it is probably more distracting to people who work in audio than it is to everybody else, but it, I hope, I hope, I hope the quality is not too bad. Um, bear with me if it is, and I'll try to be fixing it over time. And um, that's pretty much it for the disclaimers. Uh, so I am, I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but I can feel it in the way that I feel right now as I'm recording. Um, and it's really weird and uncomfortable to say, but for the first time in a really long time, I'm happy. <laughs> I, I have felt happy, of course, over the last few years, but the, 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 way I'm feeling right now isn't even remotely similar to the kind of happy moments I've had in recent years. I finally found it, the thing, the, the, the way to make this balance between what I want to do and what I have to do work. Being able to do Militantly Mixed and have Gulf Coast Cosmos, I, it's, it's, it, I don't know. <laughs> it's just what I've wanted to do for so long. I, I love talking about mixedness. I love doing the show, but doing the show alone is not enough to feel fulfilled, to be honest. Um, but I feel great when I'm doing it and I feel great connecting to people, but I still need a little bit more because I still have to, you know, work to survive like everybody else. And so I haven't felt entirely fulfilled because I've had to work in an industry that I, I didn't have as much care about anymore working in HR. Um, which I am still doing part-time, by the way, but um, from a distance, it's not that bad. Um, you know, a girl got to eat still. But having the shop and having a place to come and talk about comics all day with people and, and get people into new comics and seeing people discover their first black character for the first time or their first Asian character for the first time or their first queer character for the first time and realizing that they have the in comics has been... I mean, it's weird to say it's been emotional, but it has. There's days I've I've had to fight back happy tears at work because I don't like to be emotional in front of people. Um, if you've listened to the show for a while, you have heard me break down on the show before, and even that has been tough um, to try to share, even though I'm in a room by myself when I record, and by the time y'all are hearing it, it's been edited and things like that too. Um, but there's been some times that it was a real struggle for me not to like tear up in front of customers just because of that sense of this was what I was missing throughout my life and, and to be able to provide what I was missing to others um, has been amazing. And I've had a version of that through the show. Um, and now I'm having a version of it through comics. And since comics are really my primary primary form of, of entertainment and the thing I'm most passionate about, um, 
yeah, like it's just fucking awesome. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Um, but I'm very happy. I'm so glad I've made this move. And even though we're about to hit our one year anniversary on August 15th, which by the time you're listening to this, will have already passed. Um, it's being in the shop for the last month that really makes this real. Um, you know, we've been making sales for the last year, but being in the shop has, has really changed everything and made this uh, journey finally feel possible and livable. And hopefully in the next couple of months, I won't have to do my part-time job to survive and I can just enjoy this and find balance between the two, the two things, the podcasting and the comic book shop itself but I'm happy and I hope it translates over the course of the next few months on this show because I know there's times that I'm really depressed and I keep going on the show because I think it's important but I don't know how that affects y'all when you hear a person um, going through depression talking about non-depression related things I don't know how that helps or hurts if, if at all and I really hope that because I am in a happier place right now and because I'm I'm literally getting to live out my passions on a daily basis, that that translates in the show and that I can be a better host for y'all and a better speaker when I'm speaking on mixed race issues and intersectionality in general. Like, I, I really hope that it comes through in a way that, that makes the work that I've been doing better. And I believe that it will be. So I just wanted to share that a little with y'all. Um, like I mentioned last time on the solo episode, we're just in a pop-up space right now um, for the next three days because of my anniversary, our anniversary weekend. Uh, but then after that, we're still trying to secure this location that we really, really want here in the Third Ward. Um, it's a little bit out of our price range, so we're kind of negotiating right now. But to be able to lock it down, we need to raise about $5,500 to lock it down. And we're about 26% of the way there. And we really don't have that much time left to be able to raise this fund. So we're really hoping that we can kind of nail it down over this next week um, so that we can lock down that location um, because that will finally give us a place where we can be permanent. And even though our fixtures in the beginning will be temporary while we continue to work and raise up enough money to um, give us our personal, our per permanent um, build out in our permanent space, um, we're just ready to, to start doing that. Having these limited amount of days to, to make sales, we're at least been able to pay for the business itself. We need to get to the point where we can actually pay for rent too. And that's what this next step is about. So if y'all would like to support that endeavor, I know, I know some of y'all do support almost all the things I do, my masks, my podcasts, my comic book stuff. This is just one more way. Um, for support if that's something that y'all want to do. Um, you can go to GoFundMe.com and search for Gulf Coast Cosmos or click the link in the show notes or go to GulfCoastCosmos.com, which is my comic book shop website where you can buy comics, but there's also a page dedicated to uh, the GoFundMe there as well. Yeah, anything adds up. You know, same like I say with the Patreon for the show, you know, a dollar over a year becomes 12, five dollars over a year becomes 60, ten dollars over a year becomes 120. Like this stuff does add up. And um, the more people that, that support it, the faster we'll get there. So I really do hope that if um, if you all have it to spare, because uh, it's not just a comic book shop, it's what it's doing for the community that we're in. Uh, when I get to expose somebody, like I said earlier, to their first character that looks like them, 
and see that excitement and that joy, it's I, I get to see representation matters happening in real time in meat space, like in front of my face. Um, and I, the mission of Militantly Mix is not lost in my mission of Gulf Coast Cosmos. It's really about making people feel like they found who they are and that they can comfortably live in it. Be your mixed ass self, be your comic book ass fan self, <laughs> whatever it is like that, that, that motto that I have for the show carries over into all aspects of my life. Honestly, it's, it's really just boils down to being yourself and owning it and feeling comfortable. And not only that, but, um, to do it outside of isolation, to do it with a, a group of people that can see you, support you and share in it with you too. That's what Be Your Mix That Self is about and and that mission in a just different terms of fill in the blank. Instead of be your mix ass self, be your nerdy ass self or your geeky ass self or whatever works in the shop as well. So I don't know. I'm just saying that to say I'm super happy. I'm really enjoying it and I, 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 I'm getting to see it affect people when they come into the shop um, every day, and it's just awesome. Um, so, yeah, if you'd like to support that, you can go there, uh, gulfcoastcosmos.com, or to gofundme.com, and then just search for Gulf Coast Cosmos. So thank you in advance for that. And that's pretty much it. Um, I'm also a little giddy because for the first time ever, I'm going to be able to sleep in my own bed in the center of my bed in this new place because my husband went to go take a trip to visit our friends over the night overnight um because friday the 13th and they're gonna watch scary movies together and um so he went out of town to do that and i'm here at the shop um, because it's our anniversary weekend so i get to sleep like a starfish tonight in my own bed i love sleeping in the center of the bed all sprawled out but i don't get to do that very often <laughs> so um so there are other things to be happy about I get to sleep alone in my bed like a starfish tonight. I get to celebrate my anniversary with my business partner for Gulf Coast Cosmos this weekend. Uh, Saturday the 14th is free comic book day, so we hopefully we'll have a lot of people in the shop getting their free comic for the first time. And, you know, I don't know. just It's just great. Uh, but anyways, let's... Uh, get away from that and get into the episode today because I feel like I probably babbled about me for way too long. Um, my guest today is Diana or Diana, depending on pronunciation. We do talk a little bit about pronunciation in the episode, so you'll hear about that. We connected um, through Instagram a couple months back and it was related to a school project that they were working on. Um, so we chatted about mixedness and we chatted about queerness and we chatted about um, things in general and then just through that kind of had an affinity for each other and, and you know, kept up the chatting. Um, so I, I wanted them to come on the show for a while, but then I went on my hiatus and blah, 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 blah. We finally had a chance to sit down and talk. And this was the first person that I got to record with since I moved to Houston. And it was fun. It was just a fun conversation. You're going to hear it. Uh, we do talk about mixedness. We do talk about queerness. We talk about 
us as people, as mixed intersectional people. Um, but mostly it was just a really good conversation. And you know how the show is. We meander a lot. I meander a lot. I talk a lot. My guests meander. Um, and we just we just kept that flow up and we, we didn't put any restrictions on the conversation. And I think you can tell that um, that we were just happy to be there in the moment, getting the chance to, to talk to a fellow mixed person, to talk to a fellow queer person, and and just be ourselves. And so we had a really great conversation, and I, I hope you all enjoyed that. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming our first cousin since I moved to Houston to the Militantly Mixed family, Diana, or Diana. first episode back from my extended hiatus i am now officially in houston and you were my first guest since i came back and you were actually in houston recently but we missed each other Uh, (laughs) i was i was so why don't you yourself to everybody and uh let's get into it let's get going. awesome so hi everybody i'm diana you can also call me uh the spanish pronunciation which is diana i like don't mind either i get asked that a lot like oh do you want me to like pronounce your name like the english version or the spanish version and i'm always like i like both like as a mexican-american i'm like cool with both it's like i don't what have to choose one hearing the most? what did you grow up hearing the most I would say, like, definitely from, like, my mom and, like, my family, they'll probably call me more, like, Diana, because, like, a lot of my, like, you know, immediate family members are, like, Mexican and all that. But I don't know. I also, like, grew up being called Diana, especially when I went to, like, schools and, like, suburban, like, areas where they couldn't, like, really, like, pronounce things in Spanish. But I don't know. It's just, again, I'm cool with both. Doesn't matter. Does yeah. it drive you crazy? Just because I'm curious. Does it drive you crazy if a person attempts to say it correctly, but it's, they still sound, you know, like an American trying to use an accent? <laughs> I love that question because I feel like it would get on my nerves when I was younger. But I think now that I'm older and like, I don't know, I guess I'm just like, you know, I get it. They're trying. And I think maybe it's also because I also mess up a lot when I pronounce yeah. like certain like ethnic names. So it's just like, you know, it's like I get that struggle of like it's a mix for me. To- sometimes when I hear like a white person going like quesadilla and it's like, OK, with Spanish, <laughs> like Spain, Spanish pronunciation, calm down over there. But then at the same time, I'll find myself going like croissant, 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 like I'm trying to say it. So I'm curious. When people try to say your name, like, if that's why I asked. <laughs> that's so funny, because now you're, like, reminding me, like, because my boyfriend, he's, like, literally, like, full-on white, but he, like, actually knows how to speak Spanish really well. Like, a lot of the times, he knows more Spanish than I do, so, like... He's like out here like pronouncing things correctly and saying it correctly and sometimes that actually gets on my nerves because i'm just like why can't i sound like you (laughs) (laughs) it's like the most funniest thing ever i still love him but sometimes i'm just like oh 
Just get stop it. outdoing me, please. I get it. I 100% get it. We can totally get into that, too. Uh, but I totally interrupted to ask my question. So why don't you continue on in your interview? Oh, yeah. We get going. <laughs> no worries. No worries. So, yeah. Um, so, again, like, my name is Diana or Diana. Uh, my pronouns are they, them, theirs in English and LLSAS in Spanish. And for me, like, when it comes to, like, my racial background, I, I guess, like, in the U.S. census, when they asked me, like, what to check off, I would check off, like, Asian and Latinx. Although the U.S. census, do they have a Latinx category? Or is it, like, no, Latino? You have the Hispanic, non-white, or Hispanic, white. Oh, okay. I guess I would be Hispanic, non-white, even though I, like, hate the fucking term Hispanic. <laughs> yeah. Because it's just, like, that's not it, me. Yeah. We are still working on it. <laughs> so much work to do, right? Um, mm-hmm. But specifically in like my ethnicities, I'm Mexican from my mom's side, and I'm like Chinese and Laotian from my dad's side, and it's it's so confusing actually, Charmaine, because. So my dad told me a long time ago that I forgot which grandma of his, but one of them is Vietnamese, but he doesn't specifically identify as Vietnamese. So I used to tell people that, oh, I also identify as like Viet or Vietnamese, Mm -hmm. but because my dad doesn't necessarily identify as that. I guess, like, I now don't feel as comfortable identifying as that as well. So when, I don't know, when I, when I tell people about my ethnic background, I just, like, omit to Vietnamese because I'm just like, well, if my dad doesn't identify as that, why should I identify as that? So. Well, that's an interesting part of the conversation that we, we could even get into, too, is, like, what part of what part of our ethnic heritage becomes identity and what part of our ethnic heritage is just like, this is just in the list. So like for me, I have two biracial white parents. One is half Japanese, half white. One is black and half white. Um, My black parent, his mother's from England, white lady from England, but she's a mix of Welsh and English. I didn't know about the Welsh until I became older. I'm now learning a little bit more about Welsh, Wales now. But I didn't know it before, so I didn't include it. But now that I'm learning more, a lot of the things about my family is actually more Welsh than English in terms of like uh, the things that they do, their origins and all that kind of stuff. So I'm like, oh, maybe I need to look into this. And then on my my mom's white side, they're Appalachian people and they have a very German Irish identity. But ethnically, we are not German Irish at all. They're also English and Scottish. So that's my island. Like England, Wales, and Scotland are all on the same island. I am a mix of all of that. That's all my white. I have no Irish. I have no French. I have no other kind of white. I got that. Um, but it's not a part of my identity, but it is a part of the list. So I'll tell people, you know, I'm black and Japanese. That's my identity because that's what I grew up around. That's the color of the parents that I had. Um, but the white part, because I don't have a white parent, I don't have a white part of my identity, but I, I list English, Welsh, and Scottish with an emphasis on saying culturally, I'm a little bit British because I did have a British grandmother. So I think for you, you got something like that going on where you can list it in your ethnicity, but whether or not you're comfortable including it in your identity probably has more to do with how much you learn than what your dad identifies with. Because you can absolutely identify differently than your father if you wanted to. 
I love that. Oh my god, thank you, honestly, for like sharing that because that's like so awesome to like just hear that different perspective. And I can totally tell that you have this perspective because you've been like, you know, exploring, researching, thinking, reflecting a lot on like your mixedness and and that kind of stuff. And I, I just, for me, as someone who like, I've met a few multiracial folks recently because I've been able to like luckily like meet them through like my classes at school or like mm-hmm. in other spaces. But honestly, throughout my life, I've never really built a lot of community with other multiracial folks. And I think that can be so like disorienting and isolating for me as someone who like identifies as multiracial and embraces that like i just feel like i'm learning so much from like just the like a few things you said right now than like anything i've learned in like ethnic studies classes i took in college that didn't bother talking about mixedness or like the right, multiracial right. experience so well, yeah stuff doesn't come like you know, easy. I went through my whole journey too of like, first I was just a black girl who happened to have a Japanese mom and a white grandmother, you know, like a white, a British white grandmother. And then I left the environment I grew up with, which was predominantly black and Mexican and went into a white neighborhood and suddenly I was a mixed person. So now I got to figure out what what's that? Like, what does it mean to be mixed? Because even though I look the way that I look, and I've talked about this a, n- a number of times on the show, like I look the way that I look, but I identify as black and I am identified as black by black people. I have very little work to do for black folks to notice that I'm black. So it was easy for me to identify as black. It was a lot harder for me to identify as Asian um, until wearing the masks and my blackness gets covered up or my more obvious black features get covered up and my I shave my head and now my head is growing out spiky Asian style. So now I'm being identified for the first time ever in my 43 years as East Asian. So if I was identified as Asian in the past, I would be identified as Filipino. So I have like an affinity towards Filipinos because they would welcome me thinking I was one of them. And then they would find out, you know, they share the food, I get the discounts and then they find out I'm not Filipino and I lose my food and I lose my discounts. Um, (laughs) But um, but like now for the first time being identified as like an East Asian person, it has has been making me do this work, too. If I didn't do this show and I didn't have the opportunity to talk to as many mixed people as I do, my identity the fluidity of my identity would not be nearly as comfortable as it is now. Cause now if I wake up Japanese tomorrow and black the next day, I feel fine. But that was a struggle in the past. So I would say the lack of mixed community is a big, it plays a big role into how we identify and, and, and also how we give ourselves permission to identify. Um, but the more I hear people talk about it, the more I kind of internalize the stuff they say, that's just done the work for me. So now I just like, Hey, I woke up Japanese today. I don't know what to tell you, you know? So I think, um, you're like this intersectional identity thing that we have as mixed people, um, is, is, is more fluid than we give ourselves permission to feel. But once we release that, I mean, shoot, you could be, you could be any old thing um, that you're mixed with as long as you feel some affinity. And that thing could be you just had a really good sandwich today and that sandwich happened to be from a Vietnamese shop. 
And so you're just like, mm, if this is if this is me being Vietnamese, I'm feeling Vietnamese today. You know, like it can really be any kind of thing um, that kind of triggers that like sense of feeling validated or feeling welcome within the thing. So you, the, with what you have studied and things like that, I think over time you'll you'll feel that fluidity too more comfortably. Yeah. Um, and then you also grant yourself permission to feel it more comfortable too. That is so beautiful. Oh my God. Like, I just love everything you're saying. It's like blowing my mind. And like, just the idea of us giving ourselves permission in, in how we identify and like allowing ourselves to be as fluid as we want to be, like in our identities and like with the cultures we feel affinity with. Like, that in and of itself is so powerful. And I just find that so powerful because uh, I just, I get so like raged and tired and exhausted with like feeling like society wants us to like stay static in how we identify and that we have to just check one box yeah. and the, that box has to stay the same for us throughout our lives. And it's just like, that is not how the human experience really is and like i'm just i'm just thinking like besides like talking about like race i think a lot about as well like my gender identity and sexual orientation as well so in my gender identity i identify now as gender fluid and non-binary and in my sexuality or sexual orientation i identify as as queer but i didn't identify as this for so long and it's like it's okay for like any of us to not identify in the same way throughout Mm -hmm. our lives like who knows i might even change my gender identity and sexual orientation later in my life and that's completely okay because you you more about yourself at different phases right like college you and high school you weren't the same and as you get yourself out of college you and then then there's the difference between you know like community college charmaine versus university charmaine versus getting my master's charmaine like those are different people too um so different things are influencing you and you just and also just access to information like growing up as a queer kid, not understanding my deal because I knew what straight was and I knew what gay men were. And I knew that the only lesbians we knew were cops and they were really butch and I wasn't like them because I didn't know any other kind of of lesbian. Um, I was like, all right, so I'm not a thing. My whole deal doesn't make sense. Um, I, I, I literally thought of myself as more like a gay man than a straight woman growing up because I was a lot I was a lot more like the gay guys that I knew growing up because my mom worked in the hair industry so there was always gay men around um, I was more like them than I was like the straight women or the butch lesbians so I guess I'm a gay man but I got a vagina and I really like that thing <laughs> but what's my deal you know what I'm saying like so it really took like the world outside educating me that hey there's other gender opportunity you know options for you and in terms of your identity and also in terms of your sexuality there's different um, options for you too so I didn't know words for things I didn't have a way to describe it so I just wasn't those things there was just something weird going on that I had to work out in the same way that you got to where you got for your uh, gender fluidity or, or your sexual identity, which also sexual orientation, which also can shift over time too. Um, it's the same practice. Like I feel literally my progress was the same 
in getting comfortable with how I represented myself as a as an ethnic category and as a culture category, as I do with my gender and my um, even though I'm still working my I'm still working my gender shit out. Um, honestly, like on a daily basis, I'm Same. like I like my bits and I like everybody else's bits, and and that's the thing. I just don't always feel like the brain matches that's the only thing but i like my bits and while i work out and learn and read other things because right now i am coming from completely uneducated place in terms of like why my brain tells me one thing but my body tells me something different like i gotta work on it uh so i think i come to it the same way and i feel like you'll you'll do that too with your your again it's just granting us ourselves permission it's like giving us the freedom to actually just accept what it is and look you and i both racially ambiguous faces yes. <laughs> unidentifiable skin tones you know we're not like we're not perfectly east asian appearing we're not perfectly south asian southeast asian appearing like we're just we got something going on mm-hmm. you know so we don't that check one box thing is really frustrating for people like us because you know i mean honestly if i was a a garden variety appearing one way of my mixed race thing i probably would just identify that way like if i i have my dad's face but i have my mother's skin tone so if i looked like a black guy I'd be a black guy all day. I wouldn't even struggle with the check in the box, I think, because I do identify more with my black culture myself. Um, but because I have this ambiguous face, it's really hard for me to check that box because I've moved to a state that only allows one box. At least California, when I was there, allowed me to check everything that I identified as. Um, but in Texas, they don't. And so I had to pick. I had to sit in that driver's license office and... Um, and I was like, uh, I can't pick one because I'm I'm mixed, you know. And uh, basically, the answer was, you have to pick one. And your name is Charmaine. <laughs> what? What's the reasoning of- behind that? Texas. Um, yeah. The reason is Texas. <laughs> oh my God, that's I don't have terrible. Another way of describing it. Um, but the person behind the counter basically let me know what to what to check based off of her opinion of me, which was my name, which is a very black ass name. So she was <laughs> like, "You have to pick one, and your name is Charmaine." Oh my God. And I was like, internally fucked up about it. But externally going, okay. And so, yeah, I checked that box. Wow. Because my, um, and it's also my primary identity because I do have a hierarchical mm-hmm. identity and I do think of myself as black first. But because um, culturally, I'm black first. Okay, fine. It's not that big of a hit, but it was a hit. And I've, a month later, I'm still thinking about it. So. Yeah, <laughs> that's so like that's very like cringy. But then, like you said, it is Texas. Texas. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. like <laughs> I traded. Oh, wow. I traded some things to be here um, for the thing that I wanted to do here, and I am doing the thing that I want to do here. But you know, it's a one box state. So. Yeah. Wow learning so much already <laughs> learning so much already oh my god I actually about you, but we're sitting there learning about we're learning about me so let's get into you a little bit and learning about texas apparently too <laughs> <laughs> 
Just how weird, how how super weird Texas definitely can be. So let me ask, because I know you were just here, and you did kind of like a multi-city thing. Yes, I did. What was your vibes? What vibes did you get from each place that you stopped? Yeah, okay. So I went to Austin first for like, it was like, what, two and a half days, and then the second two and a half days was in Houston. It was really fucking hot. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely, that was the my worst first time of year. It's so hot. <laughs> I mean, that was like my... this glistening. I wasn't this oh, glistening when we started this call. <laughs> I feel so bad actually because you said you turned off your fan. Yeah, it's. I gotta do it for the audio quality. Oh my god, I feel terrible because I know how the heat was over there, and I'm just like, how's how are they like I mean, not have a fan on? And unless I store up all my recordings over the winter so that I don't record in the summer, I don't have an option. This is this is Texas heat with window units, so I can do it. Oh my god, are you like used to the heat? Like, does it not bother you as much, or is it still I like mean, uncomfortable? No, it, it definitely bothers me, but I'm the humidity is not as bad as it was the first time I moved to Texas. Well, oh. actually, the second time. So I I was born in California, but I I lived in Kingsville, Texas, which is also on the Gulf. When I was uh, until I was like three or four and then I moved back to California then I moved to Austin when I was 27 yeah 27 and that fucked me up because for like the first three months I couldn't breathe because I just never been in that kind of humidity for that extended amount of time and I'd come I'd be crying all the time like I'll never know how to breathe in this sick you know like it was super emotional that I couldn't breathe and uh, then I acclimated and I lived here for five years and then I moved to Boston which is also humid um, but cold so I did adjust to the cold and then I got to a place where I could wear a hoodie in 12 negative 12 degrees um, and be just fine and then I moved back to California so I got back to my the what I was used to growing up and then I got here and I was like oh that humidity is gonna fuck me up again when I go back but it didn't the heat is rough but livable but yeah I think it's because I've moved around so much and I've been in so many different climates that I can, I'm adapting a lot faster than I have before. But like just yesterday, I walked down the stairs and it just felt like the heat was coming. I, I felt like if you've ever been to New York and you walk over those subway grates and the heat just blasts up, I felt like that was happening as I was walking down my outside stairs. Oh, my God. <laughs> And I can assure you there is not a subway underneath my stairs. So I don't know what was going on, but, you know, it's just hot. It's fine. I can live with it. It's just hot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, definitely my boyfriend and I, because I went with my boyfriend as well, and neither of us had ever gone to Texas, so this was like the first time for both of us. Um, but yeah, the humidity like kicked our ass. <laughs> like, literally. literally. It was so like wild but i i really enjoyed it i like love both cities and like i had so much fun like being there i really loved like just like how like both well i guess i don't know if it's like this all over texas but specifically in like austin and houston like i really loved how there's just like so many beautiful trees around right? there I yeah have to say, since i got back here it's so green especially because you're in southern mm-hmm. california too right where 
Yeah, I'm in San Diego. We have no fucking trees or no not trees. as many. Yeah. I was, <laughs> that too, I, I was like, this city is really pretty. Like Houston is really pretty. And I don't think Houston is known for that. And they really needs a better rep because it, and Austin is the same. I love Austin. I lived in Austin for five years and it is um, it's a pretty like, well, Austin is probably a little less in the northern part where I lived, probably a little less trees than in the southern part of Boston. But Houston, there's like pocket. You're driving over the freeways and you just see like the bayou. You see the trees. You see like all kinds of stuff. It's a really pretty place. And I think Texas, what what Texas needs a reputation for that doesn't have one is how much cultural diversity are in these major cities. Because Houston, I think Houston is more diverse than Austin was because I, I yeah it was a lot of white people <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. and Austin. Um, but here it's like you can drive two or three miles and you're in a whole nother ethnic community across the city and I really I really enjoy that even better I think than LA LA has the rep of having different cultural pockets but um it's really it's you really see it here in Houston so it's been it's been really great for that so far um, yeah, I totally agree any, with you. Did you get any eyes because of the interracial relationship thing? <laughs> oh my god, that's such a great question. Actually, it's a terrible I feel question, like, but <laughs> I mean, it is like a terrible question. But I like that, like we're talking about this because I feel like it's like you get it probably. <laughs> um, actually, that's a great. If anything the eyes were like more towards me because i'm pretty sure for like a lot of different folks who are super like i don't know cishet or something i confuse them i'm like is this a woman or is this a man (laughs) i actually have a story of something that happened to me in houston like something very cringy where like that kind of happened but what i wanted to quickly say is that yeah i really agree with you in that i saw more diversity in like houston than Austin and I don't know it was super nice actually seeing like a lot more I would say like like interracial couples and families in in Houston I was just like wow this is like so different and like because I know out here where I'm at in San Diego um we don't really have like like a large like black population so there are like interracial or like mixed race couples and families here but it's like mostly it's it's so many like you know like asian femme and like white man like that's what you mainly see yes, it really is. just white couples just mexican couples or what or asian ladies with white men that's San Diego. I'm sorry, San Diego. Oh that's my God. Every time I go down there, that's what I see. It's real. It's, it's so real. It's just like really funny because I just think about how like my boyfriend and I will like look at these like uh, like Asian female, like white male couples. And then he's, he'll like say like, oh, that's like us. Like kind of. <laughs> just like oh my god you're too much like we'll just like point them out and be like oh my god there's like a bunch of us here in the same restaurant oh no (laughs) it's like a like a little like goofy like trivia game or something that's my whole family like on my mom's side of the family like there's so many of my japanese aunts that married white guys and they're all military like relationships and stuff like that too so like all my biracial cousins of which i have a ton of um, you know, it's it's all the it's the white man 
and the Asian woman. It is not the other way around. So <laughs> family full is the stereotype. <laughs> it's so cringy, I know. And which is crazy because like if not for these people having interracial relationships, we wouldn't be well in the case of my family, we wouldn't be here. Um, yeah. so it's fine. It's fine. But I'm going into some of my relatives' homes sometimes. There are those very clear fetishizing moments where you're just oh like, no, this is my uncle, or you know, like these are people I'm related to in some way, shape, or form, and it's just like uh, I'm part of the like I'm part of this thing that is <laughs> cringy, cringy, cringy thing. But you know, so at the true. same time, you know, let's do it. Let's mix. Let's mix it up. Yeah, it's it's complicated, <laughs> right? Because I know, like, I don't know if you've seen this too. Like, like just us talking about this, you're like reminding me. Like, I mean, just cancel culture in general is like kind of like scary <laughs> a lot of the times. But I know, like, what I've seen in the past on social media is like certain. I don't know. I guess like Asian women being canceled because oh, like a lot of their partners are like white men and all that like I, I know that happened with I don't know if you if you know of uh the actress Constance Wu she mm-hmm. was in uh Fresh Off the Boat so she kind of right. got that kind of like heat from folks it's like oh like why is she always dating like white men like why does she date like I don't know men of color kind of thing and it's like I understand that like colonialism white supremacy sucks and that's yeah. had like a huge influence in like these kind of patterns but then it's like yeah. Is it really like helpful for us to like police each other and surveil I mean, each not other? These <laughs> interracial relationships is one of those gross type of fetishy relationships. Right. Like, that yeah. is a possibility <laughs> that we need to account for. Um, yes, there are some enough to have created mm-hmm. a stereotype for. Sure. Mm-hmm. I'm even related to them. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that every relationship is like that. And I do think it's an interesting conversation to, to work through as a mixed person. The idea of, of what is what is a fetishizing relationship and what is what is preference versus, you know, whatever. Um, like in my case, I view it like if I have a pre- I, I understand that I do have a preference of, of who I like to date and what they look like and things like that. I, I do. I believe that. But my preference is not exclusive to that. So that's how I avoid the fetish side. Well, maybe not fully avoid, but that's a part of a way to avoid. Like I'm particularly, or I'm primarily, I guess is the more correct word, I'm primarily attracted to to dark-skinned Black folks. I grew up in a community of predominantly Black people. I saw dark-skinned people all the time. That was my example of what was beautiful. The dark-skinned women with the curly hair, the dark-skinned men. Like, growing up, those were the people that I saw, and those were the people I associated with beauty. And I didn't look like them, so I didn't feel attractive. Like, I didn't feel pretty because I I thought they were pretty. But even if that is my primary preference in terms of what I usually find attractive, I'm married to a half-Arabic, half-white dude. And I'm not not attracted to him. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's not that my preference excludes any other category. The person I fell in love with is the funniest person that I know. The person that makes me laugh the most. That's how I fell in love with them. And it's how I fell in love with them because I wasn't thinking, because my preference, I wasn't thinking about them 
that way while I was getting to know them and starting to like them so much because they were so funny. And then one day I'm like, shit, I love this one. You know, so like that's that's yeah. the way you kind of avoid that. Or that's the way I think it's a big way of knowing that you avoid any kind of fetishizing is if it's just like, yeah, I happen to end up with this person who looks this way, but they wouldn't be, not every person I date looks the same way. Kind of mm-hmm. So it's an interesting thing, especially for us mixed folks, because we get into a category of, do you, do you date or marry someone who is like one of your parents or for a different racial category altogether? Or do you look out, seek out other mixed people? For the biggest part of my life, I was seeking out mixed people. I would literally be like, I kind of think you're cute. Are you mixed? Because I, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. <laughs> it's complicated right like I, I think i think you're like raising such great points because um yeah like like for us like mixed folks like because i'm just thinking of like this other narrative as well that i've seen a lot in like social media which is like something that i get concerned about too like when people say things like oh like you should get in relationships, marry, slash date somebody within your race or like your racial group. But it's like, okay. We don't have but I'm, those. Yeah, like, we have ethnic categories. Some of us don't have races. <laughs> it's just like, okay. So for me as someone who's like Asian and Latinx or Mexican, Chinese and Laotian, like what, like where, where do I go from there? <laughs> Do you just like walk up to people with your arm and you're like, we're kind of the same color. Like, you qualify. Me. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like there's not, um, I try to explain this to people too because those of us who are ambiguous, not just facially ambiguous, but like skin tone ambiguous. Mm-hmm. Um, my hair and my skin tone and my face tell three different stories. So how do I find someone who looks like me? I mean, you would be the person that looks like me, so I would have to find you if I had never, you know what I'm saying? Like there's so many, how am I gonna find someone who's like an ambiguously yellow, brown, Asian with spiky hair if I cut it short enough? So, you know, like we don't win. We don't win that cat, we don't win that thing. Now, I do think there is something to finding someone with a similar culture to a degree my partner and I did not have similar cultures, but we did grow up around the similar friend group. So we developed like our friend culture, right? Like that kind of thing. Uh, But there's things I have to teach him all the time, you know, about why I do things the way that I do. Why am I being sensitive about this particular thing? Um, You know, stuff like that. And I'm sure if he embraced his cultures too, he would have things like that he could share with me, but he doesn't. So it's usually just me, me going like, this is the thing we're doing because this is the thing I need to do because of my cultures. Um, so I don't know how to, I don't know how to answer that question to people when they're like, you know, you need to find someone that looks like, because you know who that person is? My fucking brother. They're like four of my cousins. That's not an option for me. So... Right, right. Like, it's like, I got to be out here and find someone who's like, exactly Mexican, Chinese, Laotian, and has Vietnamese in their lineage. Like that, like, yeah, like, that'll be my sister. It's like, no, like, like, I'm not gonna do that. (laughs) We have a different problem now. (laughs) Prioritize racial cultural category or blood relation, which I don't know. It's a tough one. 
<laughs> like that just goes into like some other realm of like incest and it's like I don't want to go there <laughs> but that's a, that, it always comes up whenever I hear that and I'm like okay so my brother then that's my option because that, it, I, I don't hear that as much anymore but I did hear that when I was younger um, especially mm-hmm. when I was mostly with black boys because then it would be like you know if I wasn't obviously black to somebody then they questioned me about it or, or something like that or even you know white people when I grew up real white folks um, you know would be like you should stick with someone of your own I'm like literally someone of my own is my brother we're the only people that are mixed with black Caucasian British and Japanese with Appalachian grandparent like I don't know mm-hmm. I, I, don't got, I don't got it so, uh, I can't find it anywhere so. oh my god same but that's same. interesting like dating while mix is a whole i could probably do a whole series of dating yeah while mix. It, can, it can be and then if you throw in dating while mix and queer mm-hmm. but in a straight appearing relationship like right like, that's a whole it's the worst that's a whole yeah. other thing. I love my husband, but there's times when we're together and I'm just like, here I am. Like, I am in newspapers about being queer as fuck. I'm in all these things. And I know that I'm still living a queer ass life because I am a queer person. I'm poly. I'm, I'm, I'm attracted to, to multiple genders and things like that. But if I walk down the street mm-hmm. and I'm standing next to my husband... Like, I've even seen it on people's faces. Like, when they know me as queer and then they meet him and they're, like, it's that, that you know, thing for a second where they just kind of, like, turn their head, like, wait, but I thought... And, you know, it's not... It's a non-binary situation. Just because I say that I'm queer doesn't mean I have to be with the person who looks like they're the same gender that I'm presenting. Mm-hmm. But it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. But, you, know, you and I are both in that, that similar... Yes. Oh my God. I can relate to that so much because I, I think definitely, um, like, I, I can't think of a specific instance, but I think there have been times where, like, like I think this goes back to the question you were asking, like, when you had asked if, uh, w- when I was in Texas, if I got looks for, for both of us as being more. Uh, like interracial but I feel like it was more so like looks towards me because it's like oh this person (laughs) doesn't look that um (laughs) like they don't look fem enough or like woman like but yet like their partner is a guy so what what (laughs) I, I get it too especially since I cut my hair which is stupid by the way because there's plenty of straight female presenting more appearing people with hair like mine that can can just rock it and be accepted as as as, as straight. I definitely don't give that off. I'm I'm assuming because they'll see me with my short hair, which is I'm, I have it wrapped up right now. But um, they see me with my short hair, and then they and they hear me talking about being queer, and then they see me with him, and it's just like, um, does your husband know you're gay? You know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, he knows. He knows I'm gay. Yeah, it's like, of course he knows. Okay. Like, I'm, 
like I'm with him because he knows that he accepts me. If he didn't yeah, accept he me, he always steals my gay mask, like my like, <laughs> flag masks and stuff like that. He's always wearing them, and I'm like, you know, when you wear them, they're not gonna think you're an ally. They're gonna think you're. And he's like, I don't care. So correct, <laughs> correct answer. He 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 does the right things. Um, I'm waiting for him to react like I do sometimes because someone I had been asked if I was straight once, and I was like, ew. <laughs> and, but I, I love you husband, right? And I'm like, yeah. But ew? I'm like, it's not ew to him. It's ew to the idea of being straight, like me being mm-hmm. straight. Ew. I don't know. It just is to me, so leave me alone. But yeah, he's, <laughs> he's great about um I, I don't want to call it allyship because I kinda hate that word, but um you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't care if he is queer by association. He also understands that we're in a queer relationship, even though he is with a partner that matches his orientation um, to a degree. But even that's complicated. So he gets it. So it's fine. It works. Yeah. Does your partner do this support you in that way as well? I mean, like, support me in, like, what way? Like, what specific way? Like, in the... Like, do, well, I guess that's a, probably a question, and we could t- totally not go down this path if you don't want to either, is um, do they do they understand that they're in a queer relationship with you? Honestly, I, I love what you're saying about that, and I feel like I haven't even had, like, that specific conversation mm. with him. But, I mean... He definitely knows how super fucking queer I am because I like fucking talk about it all the it's like time. A, it's like a part of your identity, yeah. Yeah, identity. I'll, I'll like, I'll, I'm so comfortable with him. I'll like tell him when I'm like checking somebody out, especially if it's like a really like, you know, just like attractive like girl I see or woman I see. Like I'll let him know and he'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's just funny because I feel like maybe he's like, at least at first, like not so much now, but at first like he wasn't like used to that. He was like, Oh, okay but mm-hmm. i was like yeah that's where i'm at like, what are you gonna do <laughs> the funniest thing is with your with friends who knows your deal and you mm-hmm. and your partner are both walking but your head both turns at the same time <laughs> and then your friends are just looking at you like they were ready to call out one of us but we both did it so much oh my god that hasn't actually happened but if it did i would just crack up like afterwards so you like high five after you have to be so (laughs) stupid like that because it would be just like yeah same taste um (laughs) we don't always have the same taste but there there are some there is some crossover and alignment so every now and then yeah um we also play the game when we're driving around is can i have that and it's really just a dumb point to someone we're attracted to, like, can I have that? Can I have that? Um, but yeah, we get it. <laughs> we I get love that so much. <laughs> I love that so much. Oh my god, I, I also wanted to say this because, like, I just thought it was like such a like funny thing to relate to. Like, I was also when I was younger, like, I don't know, I want to say like high school, and I like grew up so when I was in high school I grew up in this neighborhood called Mira Mesa it's pretty much like this little suburban neighborhood in San Diego that's like predominantly like has a lot of like Filipino people and a lot of like white folks um and there's actually a lot of like we had a lot of like Filipino and white folks who were in the military because we had like the Miramar military base nearby um 
So shout out to I, the military for making so many of us mixed. <laughs> yeah. Literally. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> but it's just so funny because I know you had said that people would like have thought of you in the past as like Filipino. So I used to get that a lot too. Yeah, I could when definitely I was in high school. More than, yeah. <laughs> so but I think so I get funny. it because I look definite like I'm giving black but they don't but they don't see black so they're like um you're looking kind of Asian or Latinx you know so I guess we'll go with Filipino <laughs> you know like that that's usually what how it happens but with you because you do have a bit more of a Asian presentation than I do mm-hmm. I think it would make sense they're like I can't figure out what kind of Asian you are so spin the wheel <laughs> Filipino <laughs> But it's just so funny because I think they would probably like like resort to that like default categorization because of the fact that Mira Mesa is known. Like I think the sure. nickname for the area was like Manila Mesa, so it's like oh, oh yeah, there's no, like a lot of Filipino right. folks there. Um, but yeah, it's so funny because I remember I had an instance where it was like like this kind of old like Filipina lady like talking to me in like Tagalog, and I felt so bad because I didn't know what she was saying, right. and I told her like. I'm so sorry. I don't speak like Tagalog. I don't. I don't know the language. And she just got like so mad at me. Okay. And she said something else to me. It's Tagalog, but I don't know what she said. She just like walked away, and I was just like, oh, like, she's like do? mad at you and your parents for not teach being good Filipinos to teach you Tagalog. <laughs> it's like I'm not Filipino at all. Like, it's so it's funny because like, I would definitely ride the wave for as long as I could because I do like Filipino food. Like, legit, it's entirely food motivated. Um, So I I hope that that is more appreciative than than not. But what has happened to... But I never hide what I... I never say I'm Filipino. But if someone makes that assumption and we don't talk about it, if they bring it up, I I can't tell them what I am. Uh, But I had this lady once I was working... like It was like a summer job at Costco, like working at the... One of those um, kiosks that had like the, the... fans oh not the fans the um shades that would roll out and roll back oh, in and roll out nice. and so this woman walks up to me and she's like she's like oh you're such a you're such a pretty girl do you have a boyfriend and I was like no I don't or no I said yes I do have a boyfriend because I, I was with my husband at the time but we were just boyfriend um so I said yes I do and she's like oh no dump him I have a nice boy for you he's my he's my son he, he's got a good job you don't need your boyfriend you'll be fine and and I was like no but I really like my boyfriend you know I don't I don't want to get him up and he's like no she's like no 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 trust me whatever I'm gonna give you this she's like also I got some lumpia in the car or whatever wow. and I, I was, she was ready to ma- get me married and I was like thinking about it because the lumpia you know was like, yeah. just get married for a little bit um, and then in part way through she says something to me and I was and I, it was like Tagalog or someone I was like oh I don't I don't speak and uh, she's like why why don't you speak and I'm like I'm I'm not Filipino I'm I'm black and Japanese and she goes oh I thought you were a nice girl what and I was like I am and so she just oh my like, oh, my, my son's not for you and then she bounces <laughs> and now I'm like 
offended because like what if i liked her son you know it's not even an option anymore so i had to stick with the boyfriend that i had which is now my husband um, oh my god but, like, that kind of would happen all the time like it's it's always like a nice little filipino woman who thinks you're pretty and they are going to marry you off to your boy and like that has happened to me multiple times oh my god the only reason why i tell that one story over and over again is because she said i thought you were a nice girl yeah, that that's so much like what? It's so because like it's it's like it's like super prejudiced, right? But like you don't realize it until like at first it was just like, wait, I am a nice girl. What are you talking about? And then later she walks away, and I'm like, oh, I'm not nice because I'm not Filipino. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> oh, that's fun. That's why that's the that's why that's the go-to story that I tell because it was just like, yo, that's prejudice. But okay, let's uh let's go ahead and do that to other girls because that's nice. Oh my um, god. So we went way off topic. Oh well we went off topic. <laughs> uh, but I did kind of want to talk to you a little bit about because you said early on like not really having access to uh, mixed race communities and things like that and kind of picking it up a little bit through ethnic studies you know, they kind of like completely how what um, what have you done to try to get more involved in finding mixed people or finding your community and stuff like that because the you and I connected through online like through social media mm-hmm. and um and I think you commented on something and I just saw your handle and I was like, I'm jealous of your handle. And then we started chatting. Um, but but that but that was a real like easy way of getting a, 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 to talk to each other. Do you have other things that you've been accessing and doing to try to find that sense of community or are you just working it out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, I've been recently trying to find like multiracial communities to connect with and like folks to like, I don't know, build community with because I think it's something that I've been wanting to do for like a long time now because I feel like I started to to think more and, and to reflect more on like my mixedness when I started uh, graduate school in, in the program that I'm at right now. Um, Cause I started realizing like, that that's something that I want to study, right? That I want to like center like multiracial folks because why not, you know, nobody's really fucking talking about it like in like research or just like anywhere. So it's like, why not talk about that more? Um, so it's been so like tricky honestly because i feel like like what i've learned about the multiracial experience or like multiracial theories and all that it's been mostly me doing it on my own and like trying to like look for that on my own and it's just like i hate it because i just feel so alone a lot of the times and it's yeah it is and it's so weird like like doing this kind of work like while in grad school and that I don't know specifically any professors in my graduate program who are also mixed race Mm. or mixed race queer or anything like that so it's that's like a whole other thing like 
academia is a whole other conversation I could have. Um, so I know that there are a few, but there are like, it, it, and it's not like there's that many centralized mixed race studies in different places. Mm-hmm. Like they have a program in, in the UK, and then there's, uh, I just participated in the mixed race, uh, I'm sorry, the Midwest Mixed Conference, which are those bunch of academics that participated in that. Um, mm-hmm. But it is tough. It's not like you could just like walk into a department and be like, hey, where are my mixed race professors at? You know? So it is, it is tough. And if you find them, are they out of the closet as a mixed person or are they just living through whatever identity people adopt, uh, uh, choose for them, receive them? And are they also incorporating it or mentioning it in their class without it seeming like they're just trying to shout their own deal out? Yeah, that's a problem in academia, also. For sure, it might be treated as a problem. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely know what you're talking about because I've definitely seen those nuances as well in like academia. But I don't know. Yeah, it's just like really challenging, I guess, because I and I don't know if maybe this is like your experience as well as being like mixed race, too. And I don't know if this is like a common thing that other mixed race people face as well. But I think it's it's so hard to find other mixed race folks to connect with because there's not really a lot of like programs, organizations, etc. that center mixed race folks. It's like literally locally. the reason why Militantly Mixed exists <laughs> because I could not find that and I was craving other mixed people because I grew up in a very mixed family. Both of my parents are biracial so all of my cousins are mixed. You know, like I, I have very few like monoracial cousins or um you know like my grandfather has a daughter from a previous marriage and her children are monoracial um and then some of my grandmothers on my other side married japanese people so they have but i don't know those by those monoracial cousins so like i grew up extremely mixed like mixed people around me all the time and then i went into the world and i was like you know like yeah. where do they all go like i was around them all the time and now i'm not um so that's why i created the show because i wanted to find a way to find them and um the Facebook groups weren't doing it for me because they were super toxic. Um, I'm a, I'm still in a few of them, but I have definitely left some of them because some of them are super toxic. And I'm trying to make sure that the group that I have on there through the show is, does not become that. So unfortunately, recently I've had to police it a little bit. I didn't used to, but I, I kind of have to now to avoid that kind of toxicity amongst us. And by, by that kind of toxicity, I mean gatekeeping or deciding what identity people are supposed to have. We, there was a period of time a few months ago where people were jumping on being like, if you look black, you're black, or you look, you go by whatever you look like kind of a thing. And then you get the people on the other side that's like, you can't tell anybody what their identity is, which is where I fall. <laughs> um, but then you got the people that are like, but if you don't decide to go by what you look like, then you're turning your back on that side. Well, no, because I'm at all times a mixed person. So at all times, my identity can shift depending on where I'm at, who I'm with, what I do, blah, blah, blah. So I've, I've been policing that aspect of the, of the group lately, um, which it seems to have calmed down again, but for a period of time, it got pretty hot for a second. Um, so it's tough finding the mix. There were no active mixed race podcasts when I started 
but there have there are a ton now. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them I, I've listened to most of them. Some of them I won't listen to again because of the way gatekeeping and policing are happening in those shows. Um, I also won't name which ones are what <laughs> because I'm not I'm not out here trying to um, block mixed folks from from being great. But um, but yeah, like that was what I had to do because I needed this space. I needed to be able to do that. And in doing that, I've been able to shift my identity in a bunch of different ways, depending on who I'm at, realizing things I didn't realize about myself, but have always done all that kind of stuff. So I think, you know, it's a tough path, especially since you're trying to do it in academia, but it's there. It's just really about digging and putting yourself out there, which I think you did. But I, I think that's how you and I connected in the beginning. Was there whatever the, the Instagram post was that we were both on? I know I just saw you comment and I reacted to your handle. So, um, <laughs> um, so I think that, uh, that, that, you know, that's kind of the way we do it. And the thing is, you know, you're going to mix, you're going to meet some mixed folks that you're like, I am obsessed with this mixed person. I'm going to go on full on friendship stalker mode. We're going to be friends. It's going to be great. And then they post something random. You're like, shit, because it'll be one of those things that is like not part of the mixed tenants that you you agree with or feel um and you have to decide if you're going to have a conversation or if you're just going to bow out um that's something i've had to deal with a little bit here too um so there's a combination you kind of go through a flow in the beginning it was like oh i have so much more in common with mixed folks than i do with people from necessarily the monoracial groups that i come from and then it was like yeah all mixed all mixed folks welcome let's all be friends and then it was like oh not that kind of mixed folk though because that person's policing you know there's like so you kind of go with the ebbs and flows of all the the things that you deal with on a regular basis anyway um but i've met some really great people and i've 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 paired up with some really great content creators and stuff like that too so i'm just telling you it's out there it, yeah. but it was it was work to find them so you know, I try to hype who I can, but not everybody is for everybody. So, you know, some of the episodes work for some people, some of the work episodes don't. And you just kind of hope that that there's enough of an archive of mixedness that you can kind of find your type, <laughs> your, you know, your person within that show, within my show. Um, so hopefully that's something too. Um, or if there's any cultural groups, I guarantee you, if you join the cultural groups at the school, a bunch of those folks are mixed, but they identify one way stronger than the other or something like that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I discovered with Mixed at Berkeley. A lot of them tried to go into the moderational groups and they were just like, mm-hmm. oh, we're all mixed. Oh, there's a mixed group, too. You know, that kind of stuff was happening. So it's there. It's yeah. like a full time job, though. Mm-hmm. So hopefully. Totally. Totally. <laughs> I, I agree with like a lot of what you said. And like, if I'm going to be honest too, like, I think with my recent kind of like journey of trying to find like multiracial community and all that, I've been like mainly like referring to like you and like your militantly mixed podcast because I think because you like helped me in the past with like the school project I did for one of my classes and just getting to know you like I feel very like I've always felt really comfortable and and like just like safe with you and like I don't feel any of that like policing weird like vibe that you're talking about no I don't do that I I I don't know that I think I used to do that I think Mm. there was a time in which I definitely was like that. And it's, again, it's a learning process. It's the same thing with like kind of trying to understand my own issues about me. I was discovering what I was doing to others. And so, you know, 
Um, I, I'm always about trying to, you know, make sure that I'm, um, as being as open-minded as possible, but at the same time, like protecting myself and, and, and protecting myself, hopefully the things I'm using to protect myself, I will also use to protect others. So that's why, like, if I see policing and gatekeeping, I get really bent out of shape about it because I'm like, we already deal with so many identity issues internally. We don't even need anybody on the outside to tell us anything because we're going to fuck ourselves up. We're going to sit there and be like, I'm not Japanese enough. I'm not black enough. I'm not this enough. I don't even look right. You know, my hair's straight. You know, all kinds of stuff. We're going to do all that stuff to us. We don't even need external um, influences. But then we get them and we're all kind of messed up again. So it's like a hardcore mission of mine. I want, I, I my slogan is be your mixed ass self because I want people to feel like whatever their mix is is, the, is perfectly fine and however you identify even if that shifts is perfectly fine that's why I really like the mixed race bill of rights um, even though there's aspects of it that can be updated for, for now compared to when it was originally written um, I have the right to identify however I need to identify you know I have a right to identify differently than my siblings or my parents I have an identity the right to change my identity over time as, as things make more sense. You know, mm-hmm. I, those tenets make sense to me. And I hope that I do that and give that to other people as well. Um, and then also I just wanted to create something that was like what I needed. I couldn't find it. So I made it and luckily it's worked out so far. Um, and sometimes it's exhausting and it's terrible and I hate it and sometimes I love it. So it's just one of those it's one of those balance things. But um I'm I'm I appreciate what you said and I'm I hope that I continue to be a source of help to you and to others that, that need that. But um I also think there's just so many ways in which like whatever your deal is, you'll make something that will do that too. If it's a paper that you've written, if it's a project that you have, it's a, if it's just a random, you know, anything, if it's your social media platform, if it's whatever, I think there's room for all of us to have some sort of thing. And the thing is, your deal is speaking to somebody, you know, even if they're not mixed exactly the same as you, your episode will speak to somebody or your paper will speak to someone or your YouTube channel will speak to, you know, whatever somebody creates, um, there's, there's an audience for, for you and your deal, (laughs) which I think like you and I bond over being mixed race and queer and not just like sexual orientation, queer, but like gender queer and just like general queerness, trying to work that shit out. Um, it's really great when you meet that you're not the only person who's got to deal with it on the mixed side and deal with it on the queer side too, you know? So your tribe, our tribes are out there. We just have to constantly be, be working and looking for them. But we are coming to the end um, of our show. It does fly by. So I want to ask you what I ask all of the cousins that come on this show. What do you love most about being mixed? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like having trouble with like... I guess for me, I I love, like, what I love about my mixedness, and even, like, I, I can relate this back to even, like, my gender and sexual fluidity. I just love not really fitting a stereotype or not, like, yes. fitting perfectly or neatly in a box, but that, you know, I could be, like, 
whatever I want to be. And I, I think it goes back to like, you know, what you said earlier about us giving ourselves permission to identify or be who we want to be. Just just like feeling more of like me granting myself that permission to myself yeah. through my mixedness, through like being comfortable with like telling people that I'm mixed, telling people that I'm gender fluid, non-binary, queer, etc. Like I think it's like like I really love just just like embracing who I am and not being apologetic about it at all because I think for a long time I don't know like like when I was younger like I used to like and I don't know I think this is like something that I've I've definitely heard by other mixed race folks through like their content they've shared or like I don't know maybe like a podcast I heard or something but I think for a lot of us like mixed folks because we like exist and live in a world that doesn't embrace that so much like doesn't embrace mixedness we get socialized to have to minimize ourselves and like not really like oh like you can't be too out there about your mixedness or about who you are and whatever and so i don't know i guess for me like what i'm trying to say is that I just really love that I'm learning every day in my life how to not minimize myself because frankly, like, fuck that. Like, right. right. Like that's, that's what white supremacy wants us to do. That's what like colonialism wants us to right. do. And so many other systems of oppression that work together with those systems, including like even heteronormativity and whatever. And it's like, no, we don't have to do that shit. We can just be who we are and not apologize for it. Yes. So that makes me so happy. I'm I'm glad you said that. I I also like not fitting in the box. I do. I I think that uh, is it difficult sometimes? Yes. Is it challenging? Yes. Do sometimes you feel like the loneliest little mixed person on the planet? Yes. But when you find these connections like what we have here and stuff, it's just like so I don't know rainbows and yeah and shit i don't know <laughs> it just it just feels it just feels really good um so thank you for coming on the show thank you for being my first guest back um to break my hiatus and um is there anything you want to tell the audience before we go do you want to share anything or no share anything um well thank you for inviting me first off this has been really fun doing like this like podcast like informal chat thing with you it's it's been really nice and you've been like so great at helping me to feel like safe and comfortable and welcome like throughout the whole experience and i guess like i'll just quickly share that my instagram handle in case if anybody wants to like follow me <laughs> i don't really like post a lot of stuff but you know if you still want to like connect with me i'm so i'm totally cool with that so my instagram handle is mixed race queer and that's spelled as m i x e d r a c e q u e e r and uh the whole handle is lowercase too so yeah Yeah, check me out on instagram yeah thank you so much again Militantly Mix is a main hustle media podcast produced and hosted by me, Charmaine Fury. Music is by David Bogan, the one you can follow us on social media on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Militantly Mixed. 
If you'd like to become a sponsor of Militantly Mixed, please go to patreon.com slash militantly mixed for monthly sponsorship or paypal.me slash militantly mixed for a one-time only donation. And if you like what you hear on Militantly Mixed, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to be your mixed-ass self. Main Hustle Media. Turn your side hustle into your main hustle.